welcome to Sustainably Influence, the podcast, hosted by me, Bianca Foley. And me, Charlotte Williams. In this podcast, we explore our efforts to making changes to our lifestyle as influencers, to live a more eco-conscious lifestyle, and hope that we can encourage you to make one small change. This isn't just a podcast for influencers. We want this to be a community of people who are trying to do their bit, where we can learn from one another and share our tips. So join in the conversation over on our Instagram, at Sustainably Influenced. Josephine Phillips is a recent graduate turned fashion tech entrepreneur, working to make the fashion industry circular with her app, Sojo, which makes clothing alterations and repairs an easy and hassle-free process. She created it after realising she was continuously falling in love with secondhand clothes that weren't available in her size and didn't have a convenient way to get them altered. Sojo was made to simplify that process and by promoting a circular model, she hopes that it will aid others in their quest for a more sustainable wardrobe too. Welcome Josephine to the Sustainably Influenced podcast. It's so great to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so are we. We're geeking out. Um, so we're going to go straight into the questions. Um, so the first one we wanted to ask was that you describe Sojo as the delivery of clothing alteration and repair. What led you to create such an innovative service? Yeah, so I do describe it as that, though I am thinking about um, sort of backtracking on that, <laughs> given Deliveroo's really disastrous IPO <laughs> recently. Um, but let's let's roll with it for now. Um, yes, I describe it as that. And it's sort of, it is that essentially, basically we're a three-sided marketplace. So it's, you know, we're connecting customers to local seamsters through an app and bicycle delivery service. And that idea sort of came about after a little bit of work, but it really came from like a personal problem. So I made my move away from fast fashion a couple of years ago and I turned to secondhand clothes as my sustainable way to shop because I was a student and couldn't afford the sustainable brands and all of that. Um, and so I was shopping secondhand shopping and it was fat, like Depop, charity shops, car boot sales, the works. Um, but every single time I was secondhand shopping, I was finding pieces that I loved that were not my size and I sort of would find these amazing trousers or this amazing two-piece suit or this gorgeous dress and I'd be like great it's not my size and I can't go up or down sizes because it's not first-hand fashion um so I started to think about like altering clothing but um being a Gen Z like reasonably lazy <laughs> I don't know is that is that an alright categorization no I, I'm used to things and services like at my fingertips so essentially I was like wow would be really easy um, if I didn't have to like walk 15 minutes to the high street to look for a tailor to then get undressed, get dressed, get pinned, go back five days later. I really wanted it to be easier than that. And so essentially that's how the idea for Sojo was born um, in that I really wanted to create an easy and convenient way for people to alter their secondhand clothes. And then within that, I then came up with the idea for the repairs as well, because it was a very, very natural synergy. Um, and voila, the rest is history. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Also, what I love about it is you, it came from the whole secondhand shopping concept, mm. but looking on Instagram, as we always do, and seeing <laughs> some of our favourite um, influencers, so one of my favourite influencers, and I know you love her as well, Bianca, um, is Monique, and she's quite small and gets pretty much everything she owns tailored, even if it does fit her, she'll get it tailored, and I think she started doing her own tailoring as well but she gets it tailored just to make it personal to her and fit her body. So I feel like even not secondhand, this is like a perfect opportunity for people to actually wear clothes that fit them and go back into that old school mentality like our grandparents would have done to just yeah. like make things fit. 
Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, like our target market and the concept came out of secondhand, but we've even had a DM or we did way back at the beginning before I made it a bit broader where someone was like, sorry, am I allowed to use it on my first hand item? And I was like, oh my God, of course you can. And of course, like, yes, it came out of secondhand shopping, but it can be used for anything and everything. Our clothes and our wardrobe, you change body shape, you use it. You know, there's people who are short and if you buy clothes from, you know, trousers from Zara, they'll be too long for you. And so it's really... It, the, now, overarchingly, it's more about having a more flexible relationship with clothing, um, irrespective of the idea that actually sparked it. Absolutely love that. The second question is, there's still a large number of consumers who feel that sustainability isn't attainable. And I, I know so many people who have this mentality. Um, and it's mainly due to cost. We have this concept of sustainable shopping being all about, you know, high end, really expensive sustainable brands we've mentioned this so many times um on this podcast but do you think apps like yours um and the like wide array of fashion rental and secondhand resale shops are basically going to get more consumers to shop more consciously because of accessibility yeah one 100 I mean I actually feel like potentially now in the sustainable fashion space it's a smaller subset than than is taking over this part of the industry, which is the expensive sustainable brands. Like I feel like actually the the market leaders in sustainable fashion are not the higher end expensive brands, um, which is like you know two hundred pounds for a t shirt. Um, it is actually the alternative ways to be sustainable. And I think the most crucial aspect as well to think about when thinking about sustainable fashion and cost is actually like sustainable fashion does come down to like mindset as well and I know it's difficult in a very like consumerist culture and when capitalism and materialism are like knocking on our doors all the time um but actually sustainable fashion literally could be you wearing the clothes that are in your closet right now for the rest of time and that is the cheapest and most you know affordable option you could possibly do and then beyond that there's obviously clothes swapping and clothes rental and it you know the options that are there now with Sojo, with Fixing and equally with other fashion tech apps, I really feel like the lack of affordability is less of an issue because there's so many other alternatives. And I think it's really necessary to push that narrative because I do think that still there's such an exclusion um, and there is sort of like still a hierarchy and a certain class that is using sustainable fashion or involved in sustainable fashion. And I think it's just an education piece of like, it's not actually these high-end expensive brands that are the face of sustainable fashion. It literally is charity shops, car boot sales, thrift stores, Depop, you know, wherever, whatever, um, which are affordable options. Way back when we first started doing this and we were kind of discussing sustainability and our ethical journeys, for me, it was that kind of lack of awareness. Do you think that that kind of plays a bit more into it as well? Where I think Yeah, 100%. Especially, especially, I think people in their 30s and 40s are the ones that are more less likely to have the awareness there. I think we've got, we've, the Gen Z population is definitely more tuned into things, whereas we're, we'll say we're tuned in, but more often than not, we've got so much more else going on that I find that people don't take the time to learn about something and make those changes. Because I think it's also that idea of that fear of making the change as well. But there's so many, as you said, alternative ways to be sustainable. And that is an important discussion that I think needs to be raised as well. Um, Moving on to the third question. So we know that secondhand shopping is growing in popularity, yay, um, especially given the current economical climate. But however, with traditional retail charity shops still closed, um, or opening up now, we should say, by the time this airs, 
Do you have any app-based alternatives that you can suggest for our charity shop loving audience? Yes. Um, I know that I haven't actually personally used them, but I know that Thrift Plus is really big in the space in terms of um, they want to I mean, the concept behind them when they started was to bring charity shopping online. Um, So essentially, instead of people donating directly to the shops, they're bringing it online and then you sell it and then they get the proceeds to charity or whatever. So I think that's a really great way if people want to sort of bag their charity shop clothes and also have a place to buy. Um, Also, I do know that some of the charity shops have actually migrated onto Depop to be selling. Um, So I know that Oxfam, yeah, and Cancer Research and stuff, they're creating Depop shops, which is fantastic. Um, And even some within themselves, like, Oxfam actually have an online presence and they have a huge warehouse with all the photos and everything. So I think that's something that isn't tapped into. And I personally haven't even tapped into it or done it because I think there's something so wonderful about charity shopping in person. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know about Sojo. So also sizing without being able to try stuff on um, is a little more difficult. And especially when it comes to secondhand, buying online sometimes is a bit precarious because sizing has changed over the decades in terms of with vintage pieces and stuff so the whole thing's a bit difficult which means I think there's something fab in like in real life secondhand shopping and it's only a couple of days away ladies um so very excited (laughs) it's it's really funny actually that you say that sizing has changed so much because I picked up some stuff from my mum's house the other day and I looked at it and I was like when did she fit in this because I'm sure it says a size 10 but I couldn't get my (laughs) leg in it I was like, the sizing is so different now compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. And I mean, it, it for me, I sit there and I look at things, I'm like, wow, there's just so much, even the style, the car, everything is completely different. There's been this huge evolution in fashion. Um, and yeah, I'll stop waffling anyway. But um, fast fashion has been such a huge driver for the fashion industry for around, what, 20 years or so now. And as a construct, it doesn't really match the seasonal fashion calendar. So rather, it pushes new items weekly and even daily in some stores' cases. So what can we do as as consumers to shift our mindsets from constantly buying from this kind of culture of overconsumption and look towards having those wonderful forever pieces that you will love for years and years on end? Yeah, for sure. This is one of my favourite things, I think, because it's something that... I suppose like my consumption when I moved from fast fashion was very like, I still want to consume just as much. I just want it to be sustainable consumption, i.e. secondhand. And so I was still buying all the time. Um, And actually this last year in lockdown, um, I think actually genuinely since last lockdown, I've probably bought three items of clothing um, over the last year, which is crazy. Um, And it, and I know, (laughs) well done me. Um, And basically that, that means like my whole mindset is, has been a lot more about like, slowing down consumption and I think I do have a few tips on that I'd say the first one being something that I read in a article in the Guardian by Osola de Castro she said hide your clothes and it's something that has really stuck with me because there are pieces of clothing that I had maybe three years ago that I'll see in a picture that I'll be like oh why did I get rid of that or that was so great or why did I sell that on Depop last year or whatever but basically we do like the newness of wearing something new and you genuinely forget what pieces you have and if you there's I mean even when I get out my summer bag and I see my dresses from last year I'm like oh my god these great new clothes or whatever but even if you hide something she said hide it under your bed for two to three years and then get it out then and it will feel like a whole load of clothes that you forgot about that are new that fit you that are great um and I think that that's such 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 a good tip obviously in a non-biased way I also think getting your things tailored changes the game in terms of your relationship with that clothes 
clothing item when it fits your body perfectly, accentuates the parts that you love, and you've spent time and money on it beyond just purchasing it. I think that that really increases the longevity of an item. Um, and then really quickly, I'll do a couple more. Um, finding your personal style is a tip that I um, read about that I just think is so true. Basically, not just like jumping on trends, but looking at an item and being like, does this fit my wardrobe my style and knowing what your style is will really help those decisions um and then finally I say this because I heard it ages ago and I have no idea who said it but choosing an item should be like um choosing a tattoo if you are going to buy something you should think about it for absolutely ages make sure it's something that you love that you keep loving and that you will keep loving and that it's essentially a decision for a lifetime so looking at any purchase you make through that lens of being like is this going to be something that I have in 40 years I'm going to hand to my daughter changes the way that you think about shopping. I like that thing about hiding clothes as well, because I'm terrible. I sell everything, literally everything. And then I look back at pictures, as you said, and I'm, I've got the seller's remorse where I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't have got rid of that. But I might try hiding things because I've got a suitcase full of clothes under the bed at the moment that I was planning to sell. But maybe I'll just look back at them and- You should. <laughs> And I was thinking about spacing and like, even at my grandma's house, she has like an attic. It literally could be as much as obviously you don't want to keep those clothes in your room for three years unused. But I was even going to be like, you know, grandma, can I put some stuff in a suitcase and put it up in your attic? You know, just find a space somewhere that's totally irrelevant. And then when you discover it in a couple of years time, I just think it's just going to be so exciting. I love that. I do actually do this, um, but with my sister, I have stuff. It's normally seasonal, but if I've like worn something to death, I'll give it to her and I'll say, wear it. My sister's a stylist, so like use it in your styling kit, wear it, put it in your wardrobe, whatever, but I don't want it back. And then like a few months later, a year later, I'll be like, oh, I'll have that back. (laughs) But yeah, you have to miss things because I have a problem in that I have massive seller's regret. I've Everything I've ever sold, I've pretty much regretted it. (laughs) I have a vivid, I think I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before and it's so sad, but there was a skirt I bought in like 2004. You need to Sorry, let it go. I can't <laughs> let it go. From H&M. And it was a woolen, it was, yeah, like a wool. We have spoken about kind this. Of, yeah. um, <laughs> pleated skirt. I think I've even heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> With a little bow on the side. And it was just like so random at the time. So random. No one was wearing that. But I was always a bit weird in my style compared to my friends. And then a couple of years later, every bloody magazine had, and I think it was a gossip girl thing. Every magazine had this skirt because it was like a Blair Waldorf kind of style. And I was like, oh, I sold that on it. Because I've been using eBay since I was a child. And I sold it on eBay. And I was so upset because I was just like, oh, God, I should have kept that. But every time I sell something, I like massively regret it. Mm. And I love the thing about your sister as well, because I've had it where... I've like created a small charity pile and then like my sister's raided it to be like, oh, what's she giving to charity? Then she's taken this, whatever she likes out of it. And then like a couple of weeks weeks later, I'm seeing her in it styled. And I'm like, you just look at it in a different way. Like she's wearing it and I'm suddenly like, wow, it looks so good. And I've actually been like, give it back to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then it ensues a fight. It is a really personal thing though, isn't it? When when people restyle items, you're like, Mm. why did I not think of that? Why didn't I wear it like that? I've done that because my sister takes so much of my stuff. I I will sometimes say, like I'll leave everything on the sofa at my mum's and say to family members, guys, 
there's stuff here, come and raid what you want before I give it to charity. And most of it's gone and like one item's left for the charity bag. But um, the other thing that you mentioned then was the no shopping. And Charlotte knows that I've been doing this for most of this year so far, where I've challenged myself to not buy any new clothes at all. I thought if I am going to buy anything, it has to be secondhand. Even if it is from a sustainable brand, it has to be secondhand. Um, or, and, I was, and I thought to myself, there's only going to be a few things that I need. But I've realised in doing that, and especially still working from home, I wear the same 10 items of clothing on exactly. repeat. So ten. I think, <laughs> ten. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm only saying like four. Same two tops. Just <laughs> well, I say ten because I'm counting yeah. the top and the bottoms, the tracksuits. So. I see. <laughs> no, it's so true. <laughs> on my yeah, on the on Sojo's Instagram the other day, I did a um, I did a question being like, who relates to the fact that you're just wearing the same ten items over and over? And it's true. I mean, you really, it's just your staple pieces. I'm now feeling guilty because I just wear this polo neck all the time. Or oh, sorry, I, I have four of the same black polo neck. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I can't really wear it ever since. Um, did you guys see that whole thing that happened with like the lady who had like Theranos and she was an entrepreneur who like was a huge fraud fraudster and she was like copying Steve Jobs? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, she was obsessed with wearing black polo necks. I feel like she's, yeah, she's she's ruined it for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 just a standard comfortable outfit that if I get up in the morning, I put on my lovely pair of trousers and then a black polo neck. Yeah, I feel like I should have more variety. At the same time, it's sustainable. So I'll go on to the last question then. So in a year of great upheaval, there's been a shift in focus and consumers now want to shop locally and support smaller businesses over high street favourites. How does Sojo facilitate this? Yes, of course. Um, so for us, I mean, when I was making that idea of what actually, what business model we would have, um, I think for me, when I realized that actually these seamsters were there in their shops local to me, and I just had never even looked, noticed them, used them, I thought it's really important not to like bring it in-house essentially, so not to like start hiring our own seamsters and sort of get a monopoly over the you know whole market, but essentially just facilitate business to these people who have decades of expertise and trade <laughs> thank you um and I just thought you know they're there they're sitting there with the expertise they just can't tap into the younger demographic and they have no online presence and all that kind of thing and they but they have the skill set that is so good um and all we need to do is be the bridge of the gap so essentially Sojo is allowing you to support your local community by still shopping and using, you know, them essentially, but while staying in your home. Um, and we allow hopefully people to feel connected to them because when you do choose which CMC you wanna use, we do a small picture and a small description um, so that you know who actually, who is making your clothes essentially. Um, so that it's, yeah, it's transparent in that way. And you know that you're supporting someone near you who runs a business, especially with what's happened with COVID, especially with like the whole dying high street. I think it's so important that we're still keeping that alive. So yeah, Soja does does do that. I'm absolutely obsessed with this because since I was young, I've always had this thing where I'm just like, why do so many things exist? And I'm gonna use pop music as an example. There are so many songs mm -hmm. that could have been sang by one, it sounds so stupid, <laughs> by one artist. <laughs> And then we think of like, why does Jessica Simpson exist and Britney Spears? Like, I know this sounds really silly, but like, they're the same person. Going with this. And then you think of like, all of the apps to do with like, cars. Why does Uber, Bolt, Captain, insert other car place exist? They all do the same thing. All of the drivers use the exact same 
they use all of the apps. There's no reason for them to to exist all at the same time because it doesn't make any sense. And I just always think, why do people constantly want to reinvent the wheel? And you're not reinventing the wheel. You're provide like you've got this app, and then you're not teaching new people new tricks. You're just employing people that or giving them work that are actually been doing it. And it's just like, oh, come on. I know that was a really weird analogy, but genuinely this is the kind of shit that goes through my mind all the time do you know what it kind of reminds me of and this is going to sound even weirder than what you just said charlotte oh god (laughs) welcome to the podcast charlotte knows like my family and stuff and has been to my mum's house and knows that in my mum's house that there are however many phone books from a particular year and like yellow pages type (laughs) things and it's 2014 like 2015 that's, that's a very popular year <laughs> yeah. for in your mum's house <laughs> but um it's it's so it's kind of like you're the yellow pages and you're the directory for all of these amazing businesses that people wouldn't be able to get to without without having to google individual ones you come to one place and having that kind of one-stop shop facility essentially is what makes it so unique because Customers don't like to have to search. I, for one, know that I hate having to yeah. search, read reviews, check, check everything mm. on Google and all of everything that goes on. And I just sit there and it makes me more confused. So having a succinct list of people within your area that do what you need them to do and they're all five-star people, it's just, I think that it's an amazing idea. It's just, it was so needed. And it's just, as you say it's just helping to revive the high street and keep these smaller businesses alive. Yeah. And no, I completely agree. And I think taking it one step further as well is it's also not enough to even just like let people know that these people exist and that they're good. The whole convenience aspect as sort of the convenience economy is growing in terms of us facilitating it and doing the pick up and drop off. I feel like that's the most ideal for young people because I would, I even now <laughs> finding out about these people and even I go visit them reasonably often, I still want to lie in my bed and do it on my phone and then have it picked up and dropped off, you know, and there's something to be said for, you know, being able to know that those people are there, you are still supporting them, but you don't have to do anything to have it done. And making that whole thing really easy is just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sounding very biased. I'm just being like, God, what a great business, but it's, and it's my own. <laughs> Babe, you've got to blow your own trumpet from time to time. <laughs> like, it's totally fine. <laughs> so yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Is it just zones one and two? Yeah, so it's just zones one and two, and we've sort of only been able to do that in lockdown. Um, but following the 12th of April and up to the end of April, we're hopefully going to expand about London zones. <laughs> First step will be London zones one to four, um, and then again, expansion and also Brighton and Bristol are on the cards for the next month or two as well. But this is wicked. Um, I'm doing a talk. I'm going to put a spoiler out. It's pre-recorded, so I actually recorded it yesterday. But I'm doing a talk for Retail Week. And one of, they asked me a question. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was to do with community. And one of they asked me some tips. And one of my top tips was brands should be making use of the fact that Gen Zs and millennial audiences want convenience, but they also want to do to to buy into brands that make them look good. So if you're being <laughs> making true. their life more convenient, but then they get that tick of sustainability social justice ethical um conscious purchasing whatever that might be it like it's that double tick because it means they don't have to do the work because you've done it for them and I think your brand ticks those boxes quite nicely in the sense like what you said like you can sit in your bed get what you want but you're still like 
it's getting the pat on the back yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true no it definitely and be. yeah and I felt like I have felt that in even in as much as um I was thinking the other day about being like oh like influencer marketing question mark um but actually just actually trying to focus on creating a business that a is useful and b adds values to people and c that people want to shout about and that actually is what I should be focusing on as opposed to any other sort of marketing strategies and even we had a repost this morning where you know the influencer was like oh not an ad I just really love this brand and it just made me be like okay that's what I've got to focus on creating Sojo to be great and then you know the rest will come hopefully that old school growth marketing tactic of yeah. your evangelists. <laughs> exactly. It's Get them in. old school slash, you know, have no money marketing tactic as well. <laughs> so exactly. just doing the, the free way. <laughs> the founder of um, Canva, Guy Karazowski, I think his name is, he is like a massive believer of that type of marketing. And he's like, make make your customers love your brand so much. This was before influencer marketing existed. But like, make your brand um, so amazing that they love it so much that they'll do your marketing for free. Oh, um, love so that's what you're looking Canva's for. Canva's great, to be fair. I always yeah. shout about Canva. So <laughs> I'm literally like, Canva's the best. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing his marketing for him, for sure. And here Everything. you are as well. Yeah, here we are chatting about him. <laughs> I never, I went to the launch talk of Canva in like 2014, 15 in it was like in this big event in in uh, Boston and I was like this is not going to catch on <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like photoshop I don't get it now roll on I'm like mm. and I'm just like wow did not I've used see it three that times coming. today he, it, the speech was the keynote was amazing oh, I really was, yeah but I was just a bit like this exists I'm sure it didn't so yeah he, he smashed it. so sorry for doubting you guy well done hopefully he's listening yeah yeah hopefully guy for listening I'm really sorry but I would just love to work with you at any point and me too so would I so me too we all so, yeah, yeah. The I have actually been trying to contact someone in your company to do a talk for my influencers so if you could come and do a workshop for us that would be amazing um amazing. but on that Thank note you. yeah um this was amazing thank you so so much for joining us today um if we wanted to find you on the internet where would we need to look yep we are sojo underscore app on instagram and that is really the only medium we're using at the moment um but otherwise download the app ios android and give our service a go um and also you can sign up there if we're not in your area yet for us to let you know when we are um so yeah i'm really excited for you guys to be on board with sojo and our community thank you guys for having me